0: Step into the sin bin. This is Penalty Box Radio. Four-time
1: Best Sports Blog winner.
0: With Justin Bradford. Three-time
1: winner for Best Sports Reporter and Commissioner of the SECHC. And Glenn Blackwell. It's time to talk all things hockey in the Music City. Penalty Box Radio is on. Smashville's Best Sports Talk. ESPN. 102.5 The Game.
0: Hello and welcome to coming Box. Boxer the at ESPN, the 1-2-5 game, Justin Bradford doing you know, talk well. And so the Nashville Predators split against the Florida Panthers, and I mean, when you look at everything overall, that's that's, that's a good scenario. It's better than zero points, It's better than one point. It's not as good as three or four, but Florida v- proving a very, very good team, Glenn, so it's yep. one of those things, too. I think at the recency of the way that the Predators lost kind of sits a little more ill on Preds fans' uh, tongues there. But overall, getting two points against the Panthers, who are a tremendously good team, battling still for the number one overall spot in the Central, and with Dallas also losing last night, Predators are still in a decent position heading into this weekend's matchup.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That Dallas loss helped a little bit. And, and like you said, it's the recency bias. But I mean, at the end of the day, if you look at last night's game against Florida, Preds fans should be very, very glad that they split that series because I mean, <laughs> I, when looking at last night's game, Justin, I mean, there were, there were times where I literally, I think I did oh, clutch my pearls, you know, hand on my chest, just <laughs> the lapses in defense. I forget what Florida goal it preceded, but I mean, there was all of the ice, all the ice was there. It, it, giving florida any and every opportunity they could dream up and also giving them the time to dream it up i mean that kind of stuff will not fly in round one of the stanley cup playoffs it doesn't matter who you're playing or if you're even there you just you cannot lapse like that on any of these teams and we've been wanting offense and when you get offense getting out there and scoring four goals doesn't mean anything when you're allowing all the shots that they allowed when you're allowing six or seven goals against you. I mean, if, they, if they're wanting to get further than just getting in the playoffs, I think looking, examining, studying last night's game would be a great place for them to start because man, <laughs> I mean, you gotta be it, glad. You gotta be glad they, that they got a couple of points out of that series.
0: Yeah. Uh, so goaltender use So head coach, John Hines said post game too. If there's, if there's only one player that deserved better this game and that's use of that uh, because go. yeah i mean he is the only reason the score wasn't that much worse and i mean it was pretty bad but as i mean and just
1: Panthers, getting peppered
0: Get yeah getting peppered 21 shots against in both the first and second period and you think well after the after the second period the predators didn't look that bad well what happens when you allow 42 shots on net through, through, through two periods you're exhausted. You're getting beat down. That means the zone possession, they're dominating in terms of the zone time. That means they're wearing you down. And while you may be ahead on the scoreboard, it's not going to last if they continue that effort And the Panthers, put up 13 shots and at four goals in the third period, uh, the predators zero goals and only nine shots. I mean, Shots aren't everything, but it tells the story when it's this lopsided and you have that many shots allowed the first two periods. It just shows the possession time, and that's what wears a team down. Uh, again, yeah. the Predators, they, they were on top, but uh, it, it showed how they got worn down when you have the defensive lapses. And then you look at the, the, the side for Florida, Jonathan Huberdeau. I mean, two five-point games against the National Predators this season. He is, he's a speedy beast. Alexander Barkov, uh, <laughs> he does not get talked about enough. Uh, in the league, just, I think, because he plays in Florida. Uh, and it's good for Owen Tippett, a really young player, uh, getting on the board there as well, too. Uh, and Anthony Duclair, one of the guys that I was actually targeting, it would have been nice to see him in, with the Predators uh, this mm-hmm. season. But the Florida Panthers have rebounded quite well from Aaron Eckblad's injury. You know what, I think 6-3-1 in their last 10 games. Uh, and I think a lot of people were kind of writing them off after Ekblad's injury, but then they made that they made a couple of good trades. They brought in Sam Bennett, who has been – who has fit right in with them. Uh, you have Brandon Montour, who helped shore up the, the defense for the Florida Panthers, and they are a very good team. And while it may be difficult for them to get past a Carolina or Tampa in the first round – they're setting themselves up because they have a young team with some still good veteran talent. And obviously a head coach knows how to win. They're setting themselves up for a really good future that their window is definitely open right now. And and you see just the play of Spencer Knight being able to come in and unfortunate injury for Chris Drager, but uh, they have a little bit more solid net play because they have options. It's not just between Bob and Drager, Spencer Knight's coming right in and he's able to perform. And I mean, he, Saved all nine shots against in the third period, uh, when they when Bobrovsky had to come out. So Spencer Knight's right there. Florida's good, and for them to get two points, like you said, Glenn, is an accomplishment of sorts, and it helps them keep pace. It helps the Predators keep pace, and that's what you at least want right now. It sets up for the big matchup against Dallas, and we're actually going to talk more about Dallas uh, with Saad Youssef from The Athletic uh, in our next segment to get a preview of what's going on there because they have some questions in net in terms of they don't necessarily know who's going to come out and uh, play in net against the National Predators because you have Kodobin's been really good, and then Ottinger's had a good season overall, but Kadoban's really good in Nashville, so plenty of questions, and we'll address that with him, but this National Predators team it's one of those things that I'm going to be looking at of the response. How do they respond and come out against Dallas? They have three days off, which is tremendous at this point in the season Have three days off and getting that type of blowout happening in the third period against the Panthers. Doesn't concern me as much if they respond decently well against Dallas, if they keep the game close against Dallas. Now, if the wheels come off against Dallas, then it's a really bad sign of things to come. But I don't think that's going to happen. As Petters team has proven that they can respond after a loss and they can play tight teams uh, the way they need to play. So that's that's what I'm looking forward to most to see how they respond. Glenn.
1: Yep, I'm definitely looking forward to that as well. And I think like you said, I think they've proven, um, especially over the last few weeks, they they have the ability to leave the game at the game and wake up the next day and start anew, but also hopefully taking what they learned from that game prior and and putting into that game against Dallas. They are well aware of the importance of this game. So I really do feel like nothing from that third period is gonna carry over, I don't think, especially after three days of rest. I think both sides are going to come out guns a blazing, and I can't wait to see it.
0: <laughs> yeah, and here in Nashville, I mean, obviously, some more fans are being allowed to attend as well. So and if you can get down Saturday there,
1: night,
0: like it's, yeah. A Saturday mm-hmm. night in Smashville
1: mm-hmm. against a
0: rival that who you're directly competing against for a playoff spot, directly competing against. Yeah. That is one of those games that they could look, both teams could look back at and go, "Oh, that was the game that got us center. That was the game that made us miss out." Uh, they still plenty good. of games to play after that, but.
1: Yep, that's will feel. Like uh, that one's gonna feel like a major playoff game.
0: Oh, oh yeah, oh for sure. And it, it's it's going to have that feel too, just because obviously all these teams and the whole every division has seen this, but all the teams have seen enough of each other that mm-hmm. everyone's just pissed off enough. Like I don't like exactly. you right now. <laughs> and then when you add the playoff implications on top of that, I can that's only it. imagine it's it's going to come down to the Predators are going to have to play very controlled. They, they cannot let themselves get into penalty, penalty trouble because the Dallas Stars have right now the seventh best power play in the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carolina obviously has the number one, Tampa at number five, Dallas at number seven, uh, Chicago at number nine. So you have four of the top 10 power play units in the league are from the Central. Uh, so Ooh. that's... <laughs> That's pretty dangerous. The Predators cannot get into penalty trouble against Dallas. Yeah, Yeah, because they have some great players. I mean, Jason Robertson has just come into his own. He's been been fun to watch this season as well Mm -hmm. as a young player and also as a Filipino American to see someone out there that looks like me is pretty cool. It's really cool to see now. I mean, the Predators need to be able to do everything they can do to stop him on Saturday.
1: (laughs) It's still
0: very enjoyable to watch <laughs> yeah it's 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 fun hockey to watch when it's playoff style like this and so we can only look forward to that in terms of let's look at the standings right now and how it sets up so the national Predators are 51 games Dallas stars at 49 games so b- by the time they meet up dallas will only have one game in hand and they could be tied in points <laughs> at that point because dallas has another game uh, tomorrow night on, on thursday then we come to Nashville. Nashville's at 56, Dallas at 54. It is uh, quite interesting right now, very similar in terms of our last 10. The Predators are 5-4-1. Stars are 6-2-2. Two, two. That is overall fairly similar in terms of the way it's been the last 10 games. It is setting up to be a matchup of, of the month uh, right there. So very much looking forward to that. So Glenn, let's talk more about the Dallas Stars up next. Uh, so we have Saad Yusuf, and then later on we'll have Matt Best uh, from Penalty Box Radio and Locked on Predators podcast to talk just about the natural predators and his view kind of as an outsider based in Toronto and also some betting. I want to get on some betting here and talk some sports betting with him because he is betting pretty much every day on the NHL and just to get some of his picks and what his thoughts are as we're getting closer to the end of the regular season. All that up next, Penalty Box Radio, ES ESPN 102.5 The Game. And welcome back to Penalty Boxer here on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell. And time to talk the big matchup coming up between the Stars and the Predators could be the game that both teams look back at at the end of the season on which team made the playoffs. Join us now from The Athletic, Asad Youssef, to talk about the Dallas Stars. Assad thanks so much for joining us.
2: Thank you guys for having me.
0: So this has been quite the season for the Dallas stars, especially given the start to the season and just having the delay. And now they're squeezing a bunch of games in and they've, they're getting healthy right now as well too. So just things are kind of falling into place for the Dallas stars overall. What's the overall take from you, from your standpoint on what the season's been like for them and how they've been able to bounce back?
2: Well, I think the, I think the biggest thing that has really the two biggest factors for the stars this season have been the injuries and the schedule. And so you know, you take that one by one first It's the injuries. You, you go from the start, first game, Jamie Ben gets hurt. And, and they've had, Tyler Sagan hasn't even played this year yet. Ben Bishop um, is out for the season. Alexander Radulov, I mean, the list goes on. And I mean, so that, that's, been, that's been really tough for them. Yoel Kibiranta, another forward for them who hasn't played much this year. Um, the injuries have been tough to deal with, but they've been getting healthier um, in the last couple of weeks. And you've kind of been seeing it in the way that they've been playing. And although, you know, in the last week and a half, two weeks, a lot of that competition has been Columbus and Detroit. Uh, you look at the win on Monday that the Stars had against Carolina. That was a, a thorough win for them as well. So they've been playing better hockey because they've been getting healthier. And because of the improved health um, or even just learning how to manage the injuries that they do have. So Rope Hints is dealing with a nagging lower body injury. He's a perpetual game time decision. But at this point, he's learned how to deal with it. So, you know, whereas from February to mid-April, he didn't play any back-to-backs. In the last two weeks, he's played two back-to-backs. And so that's the biggest thing for them. I think the, the injuries have kind of, I guess, leveled off a little bit, which has created uh, some consistency in the lineup as well. Um, so you're not constantly having to develop new chemistry with new line mates. And then the schedule is the other thing. And, you know, when you start playing four games and six nights, for eight straight weeks like that is that's a brutal ask for any hockey team really and so you know they're in week eight of that now and uh and you know they I, I think the stars have kind of adjusted to that the uh the game on Saturday against the Predators that's going to be their fourth game in six nights again
1: and Saad so, you mentioned Jamie Benn I mean obviously we have to talk about him it's truly entertaining and incredible to watch especially as of lately He's a point-per-game player, obviously leading this team both on and off the ice. How have you seen this team kind of evolve around him as he's picked his game back up after injury and is now playing some of the best hockey he's played in quite a long time?
2: Yeah, th- so, you know, you're, you're right. He's quite literally a point-per-game player, 15 points in the last 16 games. He's been really productive. I think one of the biggest things that happened for him was the switch to center. Um, the, you know, he's been playing winger for – basically his whole, basically his whole career. And they switched him to the center out of necessity because again, Tyler Sagan, their top centerman um, has, hasn't played yet this season. Rope Hans, their second best centerman. Um, he's in and out of the lineup kind of. And then Joe Pavelski who started off the season playing center, he's found his, his spot as a right winger on the top line with Rope Hans and Jason Robertson, and they don't want to mess that up. So they, they were hurting for centers. And so they moved Jamie Ben to center and what that does, you know, if you anybody that's watched Jamie Ben play over the last decade knows that he's a physical forward. He plays with force, and what that does, it, it it has wear and tear on your body. And so, you know, that comes a lot more. It that's just the style of hockey that he plays. But when you're playing winger, you're more prone to that because you're skating along the boards. You're you're giving hits. You're taking hits. Things like that. When you're playing center, he's in the middle of the ice. He's not dishing the hits or taking the hits at the same frequency or at least the same brutality that he is when he's playing winger and so I think the switch to center that's that's done wonders for him and has really allowed him to instead of just focusing on the the physical aspect of his game to allow his skill to take over as well
1: and speaking of points per game we got to talk about Jason Robertson Nine game point streak, setting a new stars record for the longest point streak by a rookie. Um, I know there are other familiar names in the talks for the Calder, but is Robertson on your radar as far as being seriously mentioned in that conversation?
2: He has to be. And I, and I think, you know, obviously, Kirill Kaprizov in, in Minnesota is going to be the front runner, and rightfully so. He's a very impressive player. Um, and, and, but when you look at what Robertson has done, and I think Robertson's story. Um, this season, I know that doesn't maybe factor as much in for a Calder Trophy. I know a lot of that is based on production and and things like that. But if you look at his story, um, he started the first two games for the Stars, the first two games against the National Predators. Um, he started those two games, played the least amount of minutes of any player on the team, and then was sent down to the taxi squad for like a week. Came back for one game, sent back down to the taxi squad again. Comes back for another game and scores his first goal that just accidentally ricochets off his butt into the net. And from that point on, he's been in the lineup consistently. And since March 25th, he's been on that top line. So when you look at the way, the trajectory that he's been on, and he's 21 years old, as opposed to Kaprizov, who's just celebrated his 24th birthday, Robertson has had that real rookie season type feel. You know, he's played one year of pro hockey that was cut short, last year because of the pandemic and so it's just really been impressive to watch him and the most impressive thing especially if you watch him in recent games you just look at the game the stars played uh when they lost five to one on tuesday he takes shots from the outside but then he crashes the net so hard so you know he he has skill he has the finesse but then he's not scared to get dirty in front of the net as well and i think that's been huge for him and for the team
0: and just want to shout out Jason Robertson, only the second Filipino-American playing in the NHL, so represent Jason Robertson. Yeah. Love seeing that, and then more diversity in the sport there, too. Again, Saad Youssef of The Athletic joins cool. talk Dallas Stars, and Saad, looking at the schedule for both teams, the National Predators and the Dallas Stars, it's quite interesting to see how things are shaking out for both of these teams. I mean, the Predators obviously have some challenging games. But they also have Columbus. Uh, the Stars have had the week against the Red Wings. And then the next week it's Florida and then Tampa and then two against Chicago to finish it up. And it really could come down to the last part of the schedule. I know it's not one of those things where teams like to look ahead too much in the schedule, but how much are you as someone that's covering this team kind of looking ahead and trying to place things out of, okay, well, this might be a win. This could be this, whereas it just got kind of one game at a time for you too.
2: No, I mean, I'm definitely looking ahead and especially looking at Nashville. You brought up the two games against Columbus. That's, that's huge cupcake right in the middle of their schedule for the stars <laughs> Um, that that's worrisome, you know, and, and when you, but when you look at, to me, the most interesting thing is the last two games for both teams, because Chicago will most likely be completely out of it. If I mean, they're basically out of it at this point anyways. (laughs) Um, but those two games, but it is going to be a back-to-back for the stars, right? So that, that there's a little bit of schedule difficulty there, but Nashville's last two games are against Carolina. And that will be interesting as well, because are they still going to, is Carolina Going to have the top seed locked up, or are they still going to be jockeying for that one two seed? Um, because right now they're sort of you know, I, I don't want to say comfortably, I think it's a four point three or four point lead. Um, on second, and so if Carolina has number one locked up, are they playing a bunch of taxi squad guys? And does that become easier for Nashville to win those games as opposed to if Carolina's still trying to maintain that top seed from uh Tampa Bay and, and Florida? So The last two games are going to be really interesting beyond, of course, the big game on Saturday. But I think, you know, when you when you look at after Saturday's game, the stars will only have one game in hand. So that will that will diminish a little bit. It's been three or four games for the longest time now. Uh, But that's going to that's going to come down to just one game. And uh, and I think the last two games for both teams are going to be very huge.
0: And it's, it's fun and all you see all the team Twitter accounts kind of cheering each other on and saying, go ahead and win or go ahead and lose because everyone's scoreboard watching uh, right now. Uh, and final question for you Sad, is, is looking at in, in net. I mean, in terms of games played, it's pretty much been even between Andre and Kadobin. What do you see the rest of the season playing out like between those guys and how it's going to shake up in net if the, Star- the stars do make the playoffs?
2: Yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting question. And that's probably been the biggest, uh, Aside from Jason Robertson, that's probably been the biggest development this season for the Stars. Jake Ottinger was a guy who last October the Stars said he's on the cusp, but he needs one more year in the AHL. And Ben Bishop's injury made it to where Jake Ottinger had to be an NHL goaltender. And the goal coming in for the Stars was, you know, just spell Anton Hudobin on those back-to-backs. Make sure that he's, you know, staying fresh. Well, Jake has been playing really well, and Jake has arguably been the better goaltender of the two. So now it's it's become really interesting in how the Stars are balancing this. I think I, I think if you're looking down the stretch, I would expect Jake to get a little bit more of the workload than Anton. He's been playing a little bit better. Um, who's going to be in Nashville? That's a really, <laughs> that's a really interesting question though because Anton Anton has had. In Nashville has been Anton's sweet spot. In his entire career, he's played the best in Nashville. Um, and this game is the big one in Nashville. But Jake Ottinger is playing better in net right now. So that's going to be just a fascinating decision for Rick Bonus to make. But down the stretch overall, I would expect Jake Ottinger to take a little bit more um, of the workload than Anton.
0: All right, well, all eyes will be on the crease and who leaves the stars out and everything, too, on Saturday. Well, Saad, we appreciate your insight. Really good information that to prep for the, the big matchup. I mean, everyone, the league's definitely looking at this one on Saturday, so appreciate your time.
2: No, thank you guys for having me. Enjoyed it.
0: All right, folks, Saad Youssef covering the Dallas Stars for the Athletic and some interesting questions. Lots of things coming up, Glenn, for this matchup on Saturday, and he presented a lot of things that even stars have in question that we just don't know for sure
1: yet. No, nope. and you were right. I mean, all eyes are going to be on this game on Saturday it's not just dallas and nashville on this game it's there's a lot of people that so i'm really really excited above anything else that's on this game there's just there's a lot of excitement on the line
0: hold you on know? to your butts
1: hold
0: on. <laughs> all right up next we'll bring on matt best he's been on the show before uh he, he does some back-end work digital wise for the, the up north, up in Canada and everything with sports. Also Locked On Predators, he's with me there and here on Penalty Box Radio. So he just follows everything around the league. I'm also going to ask him a little bit about sports betting because a lot of that thing can, continues to keep growing. Uh, all that up next, Penalty Boxer Radio, ESPN, 1025 The Game. And welcome back to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN, 1025 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell. And joining us now is a good friend of the show, uh, one of my buddies I'm recording with a lot on the Locked On Predators podcast. Uh, Matt Best who's also part of Penalty Box Radio to join us in the show all the way from up in uh, outside Toronto. How you doing there, Matt? Usually when I join
3: the show, I get to say it's cold outside, but uh, it's actually warm today. <laughs> 20 degrees Celsius is a heck of a lot warmer than it's what it, what it usually is in April.
0: No kidding. Uh, he, Matt's been with us in studio before when he, he's traveled down to Nashville. He's been stuck up in Canada for a long period of time. And w- with his job it, doing digital media and everything, too, he's doing it from his basement. <laughs> but what, what is this? It's been weird because obviously so many sports still going on. What's it just been like for you covering sports in a unique atmosphere to where you have to do everything digitally?
3: Uh, It's just totally different in terms of you never know what to expect. Usually when you get post-game scrums, all the audio is super clean. You don't have to worry about background noise. All you need to worry about is just does the interviewer sound good and does the interviewee sound good? But instead, you're facing issues like, well, did the PR person pin Zoom this time and pin the speaker? It's just, there's so many new hurdles that people are trying to go through and digital media has exploded as of such. And it's just trying to find new ways as a producer myself, to get people more involved with digital media. Because everything typically before this pandemic was, all right, you have a subject, you just go talk to the person, you create in-person features, you can go out to a baseball field, you can go out to a hockey arena. And now it's, you have to climb 17 hurdles in order to do that. So it's, how do we get creative from working at home? And like you said, I'm in a basement. So it's, how do you get creative in a basement and make it not look like a basement and uh, still create compelling
0: content? Uh, so, Matt, for those that don't know, is digital producer for Sportsnet and also the Mayo Media Network as well. So he, he stays very busy in all things sports and sports betting and so many different things, very knowledgeable, even from his basement. Uh, <laughs> but, Matt, uh, just in terms of helping to cover the Predators as well, what we do for Locked On, uh, your take, because you always need to get the outside view of how people are kind of viewing this chase for the National Predators and knowing that the Dallas Stars matchups coming up on Saturday – Obviously, fans of those two teams are keeping a very close eye on what's going on in terms of nationally, because every division has their own races going on, but some of them already kind of figured out just seeding. some others aren't what's kind of the national perspective of people looking at this race now that basically is between Nashville and Dallas.
3: Uh, to be quite honest, this is the most entertaining race out of all of the divisions that are going on right now. The North Division, all people are jockeying for is who is going to slide in at 2-3-4 kind of thing. And that's pretty much locked up. It's the Leafs Division to lose there. But for the Central Division, all eyes are on, well, who would be better in the playoffs to watch? Would it be Dallas and maybe a perspective cup rematch against uh, Tampa Bay? Or would it be Nashville, who everyone loves up here? Um, I was on the Mayo media network this morning producing a show for them. And we had two of the brightest minds in sports betting on uh, Chris Meaney and Nick Alberga, Chris Meaney from FTN, Nick Alberga from Sportsnet, And we talked about the central division for about 15 to 20 minutes, which is quite unusual for a betting show when uh, the Preds aren't playing tonight. And they both boiled it down to, they think that the Dallas stars are going to make it over the predators. And the fact of the matter is, They said it, you and I have said it, Justin, on uh, Locked On, that the Predators have the biggest win condition that people have seen in the longest time, and his name is Mr. Saros. If this guy doesn't show up and perform like a historical goalie, I won't even say elite, I'll say historical goalie, then the Preds basically don't have a shot. I mean, the defense in the last game against Florida in the third period especially – was just abysmal it wasn't good at all and when you need to rely on guys like erica branson and ben harper to clear out the front of your net you might have a bit of a problem everyone's rooting for nashville to try and get in but all the betting minds are saying that dallas is going to get in
1: and Matt, branching out outside of the Central Division, I can't speak for Justin, but I know myself with this wild season, I've naturally just kind of gravitated primarily to the Central Division. And I haven't kept too close of a watch on the rest of the league outside of, you know, the major happenings and trades and such. So I want to get your take outside of the Central. Now that we are about to be in May, what is something that has most surprised you about either a team or an individual player in this unique season?
3: Um, I, I think it's the lack of effort from the St. Louis Blues that's actually surprised me. I mean, 48 points right now. They're looking like they're going to be the team to make it into the playoffs, which I think is a dangerous team to make it in there. But them just having 48 points after the acquisition of Tori Krug with the hope of Jordan Bennington taking that next step, Mike Hoffman coming in to solidify the top six, Tarasenko coming in after injury. I think it's the West division that's kind of surprising. I mean, Vegas is one nine in a row. That's not a surprise. Uh, Colorado being able to tread water without Grubauer, kind of a surprise there. Uh, but the biggest surprise... I'd have to say is all the hate towards Kirill Kaprasov because this guy came over from the KHL and he's not your stereotypical 19 year old, 20 year old rookie. He's an older mid twenties rookie who is tearing it up right now. A great goals per game pace. If you pace it out to 82 games. And I think that's been the biggest eye catcher for myself and a lot of people in the betting industry, because people expected him to win the Calder but they didn't or they didn't expect him to be scoring at this rate this quickly. And I know you said outside of the central, but I have to give Jason Robertson props a, because he's half Filipino and uh, Justin and I are too. And B because what he's doing after coming out of nowhere is absolutely phenomenal. And an honorable mention to the Boston Bruins who have been the most confusing team for me to watch, because I think out of any team in the NHL, This team has taken more nights off than I have seen because they'll go night off and still somehow win a game. And then they'll go, oh, wait, we're the Boston Bruins. We're pretty good at hockey. Let's uh, beat some of the players here. I I was hoping that the New York Rangers would slide in in that division because I just think their youth is so much fun to watch. Adam Fox should, in my opinion, garner top two votes for the Norris this year. That kid is electric. Uh, The Rangers are going to be a heck of a good team for the years to come.
1: And Matt, you mentioned sports betting. So I will be honest, I have never even dipped my toes into betting in sports, never done it. And so let's just say you're talking to me one-on-one, like, okay, Glenn, I know you've never done this before. I'm also somebody that's very cautious about where I put my money. What is your what is your kind of elevator pitch to somebody like me who's never experienced it before? Because I'm very curious about it. I just, just haven't dived in yet.
3: So the first thing I always tell people is to set a limit on what you're willing to spend and lose a month. So if you go out, let's say twice a week for fast food, maybe cut that down to once a week and then use that money allocated, to just be in sports betting for the month. So you're not really budgeting any new money. You're just slicing off something else in order to dip your toes into it. Uh, the second thing I'd say is don't go crazy with your bets. Start off small. And, and instead of like lumping a whole bunch together where you have to get them all right, which is called a parlay, start off with some single bets just to get your feet wet. So if we went through the slate tonight, it's Canuck Senators, which is a pick 'em, which means it's a 50-50 chance basically in the betting world you go ahead and pick either team, just pick a winner there. Don't try and get fancy with puck lines or totals. Just go winners and lo- losers, winners and losers. And eventually you can dive deeper into puck lines, which is will this team win by two goals or will this team by lo- lose by one or end up winning the game? That's when you can start to get a little fancy is when you eventually understand more the logistics of betting. But I think a lot of people look at betting as, well, I got to be a genius and know statistics and I have to know like advanced stats and all that. If you have a gut feeling on a winner or loser, you can make a bet. It's just you have to be so smart with your money. For myself, I have a set limit where I will start the month with X amount of dollars in my bank or in my payroll. And by the end of the month, if I'm over that, I will take all of that out, put it in my bank account and leave that starting amount again. Because then there's no temptation to be like, well, I profited $3,000 this month. Maybe I should up my limit and bet three grand on this team to start the month. Uh, it's just not smart. It's not feasible. And that's just not smart betting.
0: It's uh, dangerous, if you ask me. Uh, again, Matt Beth joining us. He's digital producer of Sportsnet and the Mayo Media Network and also with Penalty Box Radio and Locked On Predators. Dear God, you're like busy as me, dude. Uh, <laughs> it you never stay, stops. Always, always grinding. Uh, so looking at sports betting before we have to wrap up too, uh, it's fun. We talked on Locked On about the fun things that, that you enjoy betting on. And it's not just necessarily hockey in general, but there's so many other things. What are some of the most unique things that you've ever bet on that you can talk about on air? (laughs) Um, Some of the
3: most unique things, the Super Bowl is a lot of fun. You can bet on the Gatorade color. Um, You can bet on the coin toss. Uh, You can bet on how long the national anthem is going to be. I call those, and I don't mean to offend anybody, Degenerate bets because how the heck are you supposed to know? <laughs> like, I crunched the numbers and I'm doing air quotes right now on what I thought the Gatorade color would be. And I basically determined it was either going to be blue or clear if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers won, just because Tom Brady and his time with the Patriots. And lo and behold, it was clear. Um, but wow. some of the more like lo- logistic bets that you can make are shot prop bets. So early in the season, Matt Zuccarello, one and a half was a shot prop, and he had a string where he's averaging three and a half shots a game for about seven games straight. So you just ride trends that way. Whereas a guy like Kevin Fiala in Minnesota, betting the under on him has been money until recently because it's just all trends and all high volume shooters like to come through and low volume shooters don't. I mean, Max Pacioretty is a guy who's averaging nearly four shots per game. His prop is always at three and a half more nights than not. You'll hit with that. So props can be a lot of fun. If you're not betting on stupid things like home run props are fun and you can mix and match almost at any book Uh, for the Toronto Blue Jays tonight, George Springer's making his debut. You can bet your bottom dollar. I am betting on him to get a hit and Austin Matthews to get a goal tonight.
0: All right. So last question, then looking at Saturday's matchup, Nashville and Dallas. What is oh something uh, What is something unique that you think people might look at betting on? Don't say what you're going to do because I don't want you to give like that kind of advice, right? Uh, but mm-hmm. what's something people should look at in terms of how tight the game is, shots, hits, because it's been very physical games. What are some of those things people might look at betting on for that game?
3: I, I think for that game, you're going to see a lot of the lines move to the puck line for whatever team is the plus one and a half because like you and I have discussed in the past, this game is going to be so close. Like if you were to pull 10, 15, 20 people just intelligent hockey minds, they would all say it's probably going to be a one-goal game. But who the heck knows who's going to win this? I mean, every game this year has been close. Overtime, shootouts. Um, So a lot of the money, I think, is going to go towards the plus one-and-a-half of whatever team that plus one-and-a-half is. Right now, I do think that plus one-and-a-half will go to Nashville. And uh, it's it's just going to be a lot of fun. If you're a hardcore fan of a team, I just suggest – placing money on who you think is going to win and leaving it alone. Don't do anything else or you're going to get very mad at your home team.
0: Oh my goodness. Well, Matt, we appreciate you joining us. Thanks so much for coming on, just giving a little bit of your insight and also helping educate a little bit on sports betting, especially for those that are new to it, like Glenn and myself as well. And I'm sure plenty of listeners out there just always are kind of curious about it, but don't know how to kind of dive in and what to look for. So appreciate it, man.
3: Anytime, as long as uh, if you lose on some of the things I've said, don't don't come after me.
0: Go after Justin. <laughs> oh, don't come after me. All right. Folks, that's uh, Matt Best with Sportsnet and Mayo Media, Locked Predators, and Penalty Box Radio. We appreciate him coming on. Up next, we're going to have our questions. We have plenty of things like what you pair with your soup or salad with a sandwich, and also who comes in the lineup when Philip Forthrae comes back. All that up next, Penalty Box Radio, ESPN, 1025, The Game. Welcome back to Penalty Boxer here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell. And as always, we have some questions that came in. Well, some fun, some hockey-related, some interesting questions as well. Uh, so let's go ahead and get right into it. Uh, <laughs> this one comes from Audie. Uh, Does John Hines deserve to be in the Coach of the Year talks for taking a roster that shouldn't even be sniffing the playoffs and putting them in position to be competitive? Glenn, I'll let you go first.
1: Well, I mean, I think... Having a discussion about what John Hines has done, I think is legitimate. I think that's fair. He deserves that conversation. However, I don't know that he's right now deserving of being in the talks of the conversation for winning. Just, I think it's just because the stack competition around the league. Um, And I mean, but I totally agree with you, Audie, that, you know, a roster that might not should be sniffing in the playoffs. I like that. I like that phrase, but, <laughs> but he definitely did put them in a position to be competitive. So, I mean, I think it's worth the conversation, but when you look at the likelihood of it turning into a win, I think it's doubtful, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think that there's a conversation to be had of what he's been able to accomplish with this team this season, especially given in February, the conversations mm-hmm. that we were seeing on social media. Uh, and everywhere too, where everyone is wanting firings. And not to say that that if next season starts out a little rough, that there shouldn't be a hot seat conversation and everything like that too, because I mean, there's that, but also, right now in terms of a developer i like john hines where he is in terms of working with young players and i like carl taylor with what he's doing in in milwaukee and it's one of those things too that i think carl taylor really likes what he's doing obviously he wants a big job you can tell i mean he's he's working his way up towards that we've had conversations with him where you can just tell he really values developing players john hines has that as well and installing his system into younger players and you see when they have the buy-in the cliche term now this season of buy-in that it works Uh, So I think the conversation is there. If anything, I'm putting it more on potentially like a Rod Brindamore or even a Joel Quenville uh, given that, because I think preseason we knew Florida was going to be more competitive than they had been, Mm -hmm. but for them to be in competition for first overall in the central is nowhere near where I think most people thought Florida would end up. I think Florida was one of those teams in conversation that everyone was thinking would be battling for fourth with Mm -hmm. Nashville, with Columbus and with Dallas is what I think most people thought or Dallas maybe being the third. And then you had Nashville, Columbus, Florida battling for fourth. Well, Florida held on number one for a long period of time. And then Carolina has just been Carolina and has been very, very impressive. Uh, obviously it might be a little biased there because of the central and we've seen a lot of them, but those are two very good teams. And Florida is more of a surprise in terms of how well they performed overall. Yeah,
1: so I, mean, I think Brendamore is in a conversation for people all over the league. Not just, yeah, for the central. I think yeah. all eyes are, are on him. So.
0: so you recognize what John Hines has been able to do, but I don't think coach of the year candidate falls into place uh, unless he was able to, I mean, cause they still might miss the playoffs. But even then, it's still a successful season now, and you see how they started, that they've been able to build something. I don't want to say successful in terms of this is a success, but in terms of where they were at and how much they've grown and the experience they've gotten a lot of these young players, that's a success in its own because it means the window can fully reopen in a Mm -hmm. shorter period of time than we were thinking, which is a positive way to look at things. Okay, next up is from Will Rab, Mm -hmm. a buddy of the show. Uh, Mm -hmm. Soup or salad with your sandwich?
1: Oh, with a sandwich, 100% soup. I'm a soup girl.
0: All right. I, I love a
1: good salad, but not with a sandwich.
0: Okay, know? for me, it depends on the season most of the time. So if it's like you cold, fall, winter, then oh. soup. Oh,
1: if it's summer,
0: soup, <laughs> yeah. And then if it's summer, I want a salad or if it's warm, I don't want to salad. something refreshing with like some berries on it or something like that or the nice little vinaigrette drizzle, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's what that's that's what I'm going for. So now it, it depends. It definitely depends. Uh this one comes from Gumpy, uh ska or nah? Oh nah.
1: <laughs> nah, bro.
0: <laughs> Look, I can handle some ska. No
1: right now, and I'm like, no, you're not. G-
0: Gumpy is full on ska. <laughs> he's full on ska. He's uh he he's played ska before. He is definitely all in on ska. He has the shoes that match really? the lifestyle of ska. Oh yeah, Cameron Gumpy yeah, is, is this, all like, ska.
1: Current Gumpy or like Younger. Oh, that's gumpy.
0: current gumpy too.
1: Really? Yeah, this I can only really
0: handle a little bit of ska, but he is all in on ska. I love
1: so, it. So I'd I'm say
0: not... I'm gonna be loving like,
1: ska. Justin is Justin is gonna <laughs> so... uh,
0: This one comes from Daniel. Who was the worst co-host you've ever worked with and why is it Matt Best?
1: Okay, Daniel, thank you for not putting my name because then I'd be sad. Oh, that's so funny.
0: What but per, okay. what perfect timing for that question too, since we just had Matt on the last segment? I
1: I know Matt loves that one.
0: Oh he, oh, he totally loves that one. Matt would actually
1: uh, love to come on and answer this for you, Daniel. So here we have Matt Best to answer your question. <laughs>
0: dun, dun, dun. Uh, this one comes from Down South Hockey. Uh, <laughs> know the guys behind that. You want to hear your scouting report for next week's Below Average Joes versus Muddy Drunks keg matchup.
1: Oh, I want to hear this.
0: So uh, my beer league hockey team, the Muddy Drunks, who also has Jeremy K. Gover, has been with the Natural Predators Radio Network and the AP. Uh, we won our semifinal matchup last night and will be going to play for the the title
1: Yay! uh,
0: rookie league in Bellevue and also our C league team our C league team over in Antioch that I know has uh, Mm a crazy Charlie Sonia on it and Colby Collier uh, and a bunch of uh, other good dudes also won their semifinal game last night they're also playing for the championship so two mighty drunks teams playing for the championship in their respective leagues but beloved Joe's very good team uh, coming out of Bellevue, they're the one team that had our number all season. In the two matchups, we were not able to get past them. The only team that we lost to all season with the below average Joes. Out of the seven other teams we play in the league, below average Joes had our number in both games. We even had a lead on them in the first game, and we blew that 2-0 lead. Um, Predators fans can relate to blowing leads uh so <laughs> they've been they've been a very tough team for us to play against we won our matchup last night uh five to one average shows one four to two it's up to be a very good matchup and we also have a time for that as well if anyone wants to come out to Bellevue and mm-hmm. watch that game it is 8 30 p.m on rank one uh next Tuesday on May 4th so may the 4th be with you to watch you. a championship hockey game being played I
1: have to I have to give it to this team below average Joe's because they come in with a name like that. They're like, oh, we're just below average. And then they're the team that has your number all season. So all I, think season. I think it's messing with your psyche when they come in like below average. All season.
0: They're a very good team. They're very strong at reading. They're they're strong in the four check as well. They clog up the, the passing lanes, in the neutral zone. Uh, they do all the good things that they do all the good things to stop what we're good at (laughs) (laughs) which are zone entries and dumping and chasing we're actually pretty good at and some good passes we're we're really good at that and they are very good at clogging those things up so I'm looking forward to that match should be fun have some buddies over on that team so looking forward to playing you guys below average shows all right next one comes from Kent uh is Duchesne out when Forsberg returns if it's someone else can you guess whom and what is that person bringing that someone else will need to replace it definitely won't be Duchesne um can tell you that right now don't sit yeah, Matt is not gonna sit. And also Matt Duchesne has looked pretty good. Again, yeah. he's not scoring as much and producing as much as a lot of would like him to, as anyone would like him to, but he is looking good out there and he's helping that at third line. So what's funny, what's funny is I was on 1025's pregame show for the predators uh, back mm-hmm. on Monday. And Darren asked me the same question because it is beginning to be tricky now of who is going to come out. And I said it's probably going to be Trent and her cousins. And that's not because I want them out; it's just the the odd man. Who's the odd man right now? And what does Nick Cousins go and do? He goes and scores a goal. <laughs> right after people are like, "Oh, you want to scratch me, huh?" Uh, I like, still
1: okay. Here you go, Justin. Here you yeah, go. And <laughs> him and
0: Hala have had some pretty good chemistry on the third line overall. They've been developing yeah. it, but. It's going to be difficult, and and I mean, I would hate for Tanner Janot to come out right now with how he's playing, and Trennon overall. I mean, that fourth line just, just so well with Colton Sissons there, so that's the way I see that is. I think it might be a matchup thing, so I think that overall it probably will be Cousins or Trenton still. And it's because they need Philip Forsberg in the first line. There's no doubt about that. They need him on the first line and on the power play. And Matt he's not going to sit with an $8 million contract unless there's some reason that he has violated team rules or something like that. He is not going to sit. And I can't really see anybody else sitting because, I mean, I know people are already kind of upset that Rocker Grimaldi has been sitting. But that's just the way of the game. He had the really good the, – the, the big game for him and then – not much else going on. Uh, so that's no slight against him. It's just that he's getting pushed down on the lineup right now. And that's, what's going to happen with a trend and our cousins are going to get pushed out for a little bit. And who knows, another injury could happen. It's not me speaking ill on it's just the way the oh, season's yeah, going.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's what, those are the kind of problems teams are going to be problems. I say in quotes that right. teams are going to be presented with when you've built up and you've got a, a roster full of players who are playing to their potential. You're going to be in a situation where When everybody's healthy, what do you do? You know, but that will be interesting to see.
0: It will absolutely be interesting. All right. If you missed anything, penaltyboxradio.com. You can subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. And you can listen to everything we have to offer to you right there on all those channels. Uh, and also, we'll definitely continue to have coverage for you as the National Predators continue their march to the playoffs. Make sure you're following us on Twitter, Penalty Box Radio. I'm at Jesse Bradford. She's at Rebecca Glenn. And as always, thanks so much for tuning in on Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 1025 The Game.